Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Coming up this hour, Beth Stern. Betho, Beth Stern. That's what I'm going to call her. We're going to interview her. I'm not going to ask anything about Howard Stern, because I think that's taken the high road. Although everybody wants me to. Yeah, but that's, well, her, that's her man. That's her husband, isn't she? Shouldn't she be proud? I mean, why would that be taking the low road? Talking about her man, her better half. I mean, that reflects directly on her that she chose him. I mean, that's a good thing. Yeah, but she doesn't want any, every interview to be about him. She can stand on her own and speak about herself. And she well, absolutely. Well. But th- you know, that doesn't mean you make believe he doesn't exist. I mean, like he's not there. Why not? <laughs> Judy's it's a natural coping mechanism. <laughs> also this hour, the founder of the Center for Pet Safety, Lindsay Wolko. I'm having trouble talking you today. You are having trouble. Yes, I am. Are you the real how? I am the real how. And uh, she know. says that all these pet restraint systems that we put in our cars to make it easier to mm-hmm. travel with our animals, she says they'll fail. 100% failure rate. <gasps> really? And so we'll find out more about that wow. coming up in just a couple of minutes right here. Let's head to the phones. We have Brenda on the phones. Hey, Brenda, how are you? I'm fine. How are you today? Good. Where are you? I'm detecting a little southern accent. Uh, I'm from Texas. From Texas. Well, welcome. Yeah. We, we're, we're, we're as big as Texas here. We think we're as big as Texas here. You think? Well, that's good. Whatever you think, that's what counts. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, what's going on with your animals? I have Dr. Debbie right here to help you out. <laughs> okay. We have an, an older poodle. He's almost 16. And it's always been hard to groom, but... As he's getting older, he's getting a little more temperamental, mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. it just wears him out. And the last time we took him to a professional groomer, uh, they started on him and then rejected him because he, they just could not handle him. Mm-hmm. And they were afraid of hurting him and, and everything. So is there something that we can give him before uh, a grooming appointment that would maybe calm him down to where it would be easier on him. We're just we're just afraid it's, mm-hmm. it's going to cause him to, you know, uh, have a heart attack, you know, or something. Sure, absolutely. Now, has you said he's always been afraid of the groomer, or is this not not really afraid? But he just and he's so hyper and and temperamental. That, okay. uh, so he's he's intolerant he, he's just, of it. It's a little a little more difficult, but he's never been really afraid of them. Okay. All righty. Well, and I definitely see older pets with some of these behavior patterns. They do get worse. And I kind of equate it to the, um, you know, they're getting old, they're getting cranky, um, and they definitely lose some of the good behaviors that they've had when they're younger. Now, if he's already kind of been a little cranky at the groomers, you're going to have extra challenges. And I, there are definitely things we can try. Um, and a lot of it's going to be first, you know, going back to the veterinarian and making sure your pet doesn't have any untreated disease processes because things like arthritis, um, cognitive dysfunction, which is kind of like doggy senility. Um, there's other medical problems that if they're untreated, they can make um, his ability to cope with uh, a grooming visit or other stresses can make it harder. Um, so a pet that's arthritic, you know, isn't going to want to be touched and they're going to be a more unhappy about that. Um, so we want to make sure that is effectively treated properly. Um, but if I have an older pet in the 
double digits, you know, 12 and above, that I'm looking at um, having problems at, at the groomer or having something done even at home that needs to be done for their own well-being. Um, there are some natural things I like to start with first um, because we also have some concerns with using tranquilizers or sedatives in an older pet. They have more problems with heart, kidney, liver, so we don't want to necessarily drug them up. That's not the best thing. So for right. me, for an older doggy, um, a couple things. I, I love using dog pheromones, which are the scent hormones. We can't smell them, but they can. And these can be in sprays and collars and different formats. And it's it exerts a natural calming effect to pets. Um, so that's one thing that I might add into the mix. The other thing is um, I'd see your veterinarian about an amino acid supplement called um, L-theanine. And um, it's actually a um, amino acid that they find in uh, green tea, uh, if you believe it or not. Um, and it, it, re- it causes a relaxing effect. So this is something that we know that helps improve their brain dopamine levels and serotonin. And it actually can make them more calm and better able to kind of relax with normal everyday things. So you can use that along with a a pheromone as a natural way to try to cope with this. If I have to tap into a sedative, I am not a fan of just the pure old tranquilizers that you'll get at your common veterinary office. Um, I don't feel they help a lot with dogs that have anxiety problems um, and that especially if they're kind of triggered in these older pets. So I like staying in the benzodiazepine category, which is basically in the Valium category, Um, but there's some that I prefer. Um, Alprazolam is probably my favorite for dogs um, that have um, either anxiety problems that we're just looking to take a little bit of the edge off. Um, and this has to be through your veterinarian. So, you, again, you want to make sure that your pet is a good candidate for that. Um, yeah. And, and kind of look at doing those, some of those things. Now, and the, the good thing for other listeners out there is it's so important with your dogs when they're young is that we condition them to grooming experiences. So what I recommend people to do, and, and Alan, you may have some kind of input here. Um, I like to get like clippers out and take the buzzing clipper to a puppy and just let it kind of touch their body, get, get them used mm-hmm. to some of those things, handle their feet, get them used to some of the a hair dryer when they're really young in a non-threatening way. And that's kind of how we can work so up glad. to exposing them so that we hopefully don't get a dog that's, you know, so um, phobic or un- unhappy right, about being right. groomed. You're the best darn vet ever. Oh, thanks, Alan. <laughs> Maybe we can uh, get him fixed up now. Yeah, and, and you know, there are actually, I have a lot of, of dogs at my clinic that we have to be the groomers for our pets because they have um, aggression problems when they go to the groomer. And it is very unfortunate that we often, you know, with those dogs, we have to use heavy sedation or put them under anesthesia. So um, it's definitely not in their best interest if we can get away with uh, other methods. We didn't know if we maybe tried to learn to start grooming him ourselves, you know, as far as giving him the haircut. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, in a, calming a little more for some dogs, and you know, it, it depends. If he's afraid of the clipper, um, the sound, the handling, or if he just doesn't want anybody touching him, that's got to be the, the thing you got to kind of figure out. So, a dog that doesn't want to be touched in general, I, I wouldn't recommend you do it. Um, um, but if they're afraid, and, you know, of and, and it's new tough, people. isn't it, Doctor Doctor Debbie? Like the the groomers, you know, they're making money, they're in a hurry, and if a dog gets uh, nicked with a clipper one time, you know, and, mm-hmm. and experiences pain, then they form a bad association, and it becomes very, very difficult 
uh, beyond that point because you don't know what's going on there at the groomer. You're not there. You can't see what they're doing. Well, thank you for your call, Brenda. one 405 8405 That is toll-free to the Dream Team here at Animal Radio. And uh, for those that have a Yorkshire Terrier, or if you have a Shih Tzu, Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, listen up. Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend, available for the Yorkshire Terriers, the Shih Tzus, the Pugs, and the Mini Schnauzers. Actually, not for the dogs, for the dog's guardians. And they're pretty informative. i got to say, you're a pretty good writer. I didn't realize that you were such a good writer until I saw these books. Thank you. Thank you. And they're all breeds that are so common. I see them every day. So uh, I can just go on forever about them. (laughs) Amazon.com is the place to get the book. Download it. We have links over from AnimalRadio.com. And, uh, of course, if you're in the Las Vegas area and you're looking for a veterinarian, I couldn't think of a better veterinarian. Oh my gosh! I just I wish Doctor Debbie was franchised. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll get my hey, clones hey, going. Doctor, De- yeah, clone <laughs> yourself, like Hal. Yeah, at least that'd be a worthwhile clone. Yes, <laughs> exactly. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at animalradio.com. Log on, learn more. Well, Judy, we are less than two weeks away for the deadline for the Every Pet Is a Winner Pet Photo Contest. Now, the reason we call it the Every Pet Is a Winner photo contest is because every single pet that enters will be in a full page spread in Fido Friendly magazine. So every pet that enters is going to be in the magazine? Their picture of their animal is going to be in the magazine? That's why we're calling it the Every Pet is a Winner photo contest. I and love that. one randomly chosen cat photo will win a top of the line Armacat cat tree. We've had one of these cat trees in our studio for about 20 years now. At least. And that thing is still looking good. It is. It's strong. It's reliable. And they absolutely love it. And two randomly chosen dog photos will win Nina Audison dog puzzles. Those are so cool. You know, we've got some here in the studio that we've been working with our dog. What I like about it is that they have levels, like one, two, and three. And you start them with like a level one. And then when they start figuring that out, you go up to a two and then a three. And our little pixel right now is on two. And she is just figuring them out. It is so awesome to watch them when it clicks and they figure out what to do. And they solve one piece of the puzzle, then they move on to the next. And plus, it occupies her time. Yeah, that's really key because if she wasn't doing the puzzle, she would be doing other behaviors. <laughs> that we don't want. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they say if your dog isn't provided with an outlet for their energy, they can sometimes find their own activity, which could be like chewing or becoming aggressive or just generally hyperactive. They're just like kids are. Yes, you got to keep them entertained and activated and let them solve some puzzles and keep their little brains working. The first puzzle we started off with was the tornado. And the pixel picked it up fast. Uh, she just needed to move different pieces out of the way. And then yesterday, we just started the dog brick. Oh, she loves that one. That's a little more challenging, but it's not too challenging. She doesn't get frustrated. She keeps at it until she figures it out. So there's three levels of treats in this. There's one that she has to open with her nose, but she cannot open it until she removes another one, either using her paw or her nose or just uh, picking it up with her mouth. But when a treat is involved, her little nose gets working in. It doesn't take her long to figure out how to get to it. Yeah, so if your your dog is food motivated, they'll absolutely love these puzzles. And they're part of the prizes in the Every Pet is a Winner photo contest. The deadline is Thursday the 20th. So you need to upload those photos right now. Head on over to animalradio.com slash photo. Animalradio.com slash photo. And you'll see pictures over there of these amazing Nina Otteson puzzles. 
perfect for the dog that needs a little extra stimulation or if you just want to slow their eating down. So here's the website one more time, animalradio.com slash photo. This is Animal Radio, baby. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Uh, we have uh, Khan Slobachikov on the phone with us. I hope I... Did I even get your name close? That was very good. Okay. Exactly on. You are an animal behaviorist and a professor emeritus with uh, the biology department of Northern Arizona University. And you're talking with animals, it, it appears, from what I'm reading. Is that correct? Well, not exactly, actually. What I'm doing is I'm decoding animal language and trying to understand what animals are talking about. And I'm also writing about animal language in my book, Chasing Dr. Doolittle. What kind of animals are we talking about? Well, uh, I've specialized in working with prairie dogs, where I have found that prairie dogs have alarm calls that have words for different predators, such as a word for a coyote, a word for a dog, a word for a human, a word for a hawk. And within those words, they can describe the size and shape of the individual predator. They can describe, for example, the coat color of dogs, the size and shape of dogs. They can describe the color of clothes that humans are wearing, the size and shape of humans. So it's a very sophisticated animal language that they have. Wow. And you can understand their language. Well, I can understand it by uh, use of technology. What we do is we record the calls, we put the calls into a computer, then measure various aspects of the calls this into a statistical program that tells us which parts of the call are relevant to what and which parts contain information about what kinds of things. Can you duplicate the language and speak back to them? We are uh, working on that. Actually, we have been working on that. So what we have been using is we have, uh, with a computer science colleague of mine, we have uh, developed artificial intelligence programs or techniques that allow us to record the call, have the computer analyze what the call means and spit back to us potentially in English what the call means. And then we also have the potential to say something in English, have the computer synthesize the proper sounds in prairie dog language and play it back to prairie dogs as a meaningful sound. So we have the potential for doing this kind of back and forth uh, kind of thing. And this is where I think that down the road, applying the same technology in five to ten years, uh-huh. we'll be able to develop uh, perhaps apps on a cell phone that would allow us to talk to dogs at some basic level, <laughs> talk to cats at some basic level, 
maybe talk to farm animals at some basic level. Well, you know, they say that cats never really vocalize much until they, they interacted with humans, that they never spoke to each other, but they speak a lot to us. And our cat has specific sounds we've noticed when it sits at the door, if it wants to go out or if it wants food. It has specific cries, and they are different. Yeah. Are those universal among cats? Like, would one cat understand what another cat was saying? Well, surprisingly, we don't really know very much about cat vocalizations. We know that cats have at least 35 different kinds of vocalizations. And some of them seem to be universal, like when a cat sees a bird, it makes a particular kind of clicking sound. When it um, sees an insect, it makes a slightly different clicking sound. But we don't really know all that much about uh, cat language. And we have only started exploring the world of cats relatively recently. For example, not that long ago, we thought that cats were solitary animals who were quite happy to be off by themselves. And then when people started looking at semi-wild cats, they found that cats were actually very social animals that liked to socialize with other cats that they were related to. And so we are starting to find out much more about both the social structure and the vocalizations of cats, but we have a ways to go. Why did you start out with prairie dogs? Why, were you guys sitting around you're like, well, which, which animal are we going to try to communicate with first? Why did you pick prairie dogs? I picked prairie dogs because uh, it was a, a convenient thing to study. I initially started studying uh, beetles that mimicked other beetles that had defensive secretions, and along the way I became allergic to these beetles. And I had to work on some kind of research project for my job, so there were lots of prairie dogs around, and at that time I thought, we don't really know that much about the social system of prairie dogs, so let's work on that. And then I noticed that they had alarm calls, and I realized we don't know very much about the alarm calls. So I started studying that, and once I got involved with studying the alarm calls, every experiment that I did showed that the alarm calls were more and more and more complicated than I had previously assumed. So we just kept dissecting, doing more and more sophisticated experiments and dissecting to see if we could find the limits of the alarm calls. And we still haven't really found the limits of the alarm calls. It's probably even more sophisticated than I've made it out to be. Mm. Wow. I, I think you're on to something. I always thought that animals can talk and English, by the way. They just opt not to because <laughs> they, they, they have no reason. They're smarter to. Well, than that. haven't spoken to us in English yet. Okay. The uh, website where you, people can learn more. Um, they can go to the website for the book, ChasingDrDoodle.com, and there they can find out both about my book and links to me. I'd love to get a copy of that book. We should have that book in studio. Can you grab that, Judy? We'll give it give some away to listeners. Is it already out? It's already out. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and in most major bookstores, too. Okay. Well, Con, we appreciate you spending time with us and all the work that you're doing. Con Slobachikov. Thank you. I think I got the name pretty close there. Yeah, good pretty good luck getting the prairie dogs to call him. Yeah. Hey, hey, Slav Slobachikov. Hey, <laughs> that's a fascinating uh, waste of a government grant. Yeah. Our, our tax dollars. You just say that. Wait till 10 years and you can talk to your dog. Uh-huh. I'll find out he's... I, I won't like what he has to say. I'll find out he's trying to kill me. That would be kind of cool, though, if you could talk to your dog. What do you think your dog would say? Boy. Woof. It would be like on that Up movie, you know, where he's... I love... Oh, squirrel! 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 It'd be funny to, you know, if dogs could talk and you had a stand-up comedian dog. Three hey. cats go to a bar. I see. You took the words right out of my mouth, Joey. I was going to say, hey, three cats go into a bar. There was a Siamese, so funny, a Persian, and a Tabby. Joey, do our animals ever say jokes to each other? Do they have a sense of humor? 
They do have a sense of humor, although it's not typically like our sense of humor because they're more literal. Sure. They laugh. Yeah, because, you know, a dog will start a joke by going, yeah, so I was eating poop. <laughs> you know, pretty soon, there'll be cats will be saying that dogs are racist, we'll have problems, they'll be censored, oh, yeah. Ooh, you know, that's, yep. sensitivity that's right. training. Leave it alone. <laughs> How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. This is an Animal Radio News Update. Scientists in Utah are revealing some details about a brand new dinosaur species that's been discovered. Dr. Alan Titus says the animal's unique features show just how diverse dinosaurs were in the southern U.S. This animal, to me, has become the poster child for the uniqueness of the dinosaurs in the southern U.S. At some point in the past, these two groups of animals were isolated from each other and started evolving in completely different directions. Titus has been key in researching this new species. It was found on the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument in the southern part of Utah about seven years ago. The species was part of the Triceratops family, and it had one horn over its nose and the other horn over its eyes. A funeral director in Scotland has found a way to help people stay environmentally friendly in the afterlife. That's always a good thing, right? According to the Scotsman, John Fraser and his sons are offering their customers the option of using a woolen coffin rather than the standard model made out of wood. They explain that the softer caskets are made from 100% British wool and they're supported by a strong recycled cardboard frame. And then they've got a cotton lining. They also come with a personalized nameplate and a biodegradable waterproof base. You need that nameplate just in case you get lost in the afterlife. Vicki Frazier, who runs a business with her dad, says the demand for the alternative is growing. She adds that many people are impressed with how comforting the woolen coffins feel. Recreational fisherman Elliot Sudal doesn't like competing with sharks. Uh, on the other night, he pulled a 200-pound sandbar shark from the water with his, ready for this, bare hands in Nantucket, Massachusetts. That's my kind of man. The shark was reportedly eating the blue fish, and Sudal wanted to catch it. So Sudal told the New York Daily News he caught the shark on his fishing line, and when it had tired, he ran into the water, snatched it up by the tail. He released the shark so it could go back to hunting. He also told the paper he's pulled dozens of shark from the watery home because, quote, there's something satisfying about catching something bigger than you. How about a disease? An alligator that's been roaming around ditches in Gulfport, Mississippi, has finally been caught. Police say the gator was caught while sunbathing yesterday near a UPS building. Officers used a catch pole typically reserved for dogs to nab the animal. The three-and-a-half-foot gator will be relocated to a safer place away from neighborhoods. I'm Stacy Cohen. Get more animal breaking news at AnimalRadio.com. 
This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free Happy Homes. Don't forget you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Happy Homes. Helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home, at the vet, and everywhere in between. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And thanks, Fear Free, for underwriting Animal Radio. Now what I want to talk about today, because people have been bringing this up to me, and about brushing and combing your dogs, and people have a misconception about if you cut your dog down short that you don't have to brush and comb your dog and that is the biggest phallus in the world and it's only going to cause more problems in your household basically pets need to be brushed and combed automatically every single pet and i don't care who tells you otherwise that that their dog doesn't shed every single dog sheds every dog on the planet um we shed and they may not shed at the degree of some other pets like a um, German Shepherd is going to shed a hell of a lot more than a Bichon. Okay, that's that's common fact, but that doesn't mean the Bichon doesn't shed. So what happens is, is what a lot of people would do with these dogs like Bichons, Poodles and all, is they cut them down short, you know, for maintenance. Now, unfortunately, and I hate to say this about my peers, um, a lot of groomers out there, what they'll do is, you know what, just to um, alleviate some time, they don't go through the whole brushing and combing process. And basically what happens is, is when you cut that dog down, that hair that now wants to come out, well, it's going to shed out shorter hair that's going to get caught in your um, comforters, in your pillows, in your carpets, and it's going to be harder to get out. The other thing it does is, is because you don't have the natural process, because once you cut that hair short, see, when the coat is a little bit longer, when a dog is moving about, whether the dog is outside or, you know, rubbing against the furniture or the carpet, it's pulling out that dead coat. Now, unfortunately, it's it, you're finding it in your house, but that process builds healthy, nice new coat, which not only will give it better color, will give it a better texture, but also will keep your dog smelling better. That natural process stimulates the skin, so everything works better. So what you want to do is you want to make sure that you brush and comb your dog. And also, it's a great socializing tool, especially if you have a pet that's a little bit shy. So, you know, the more you brush and comb it, the more you handle the pet, the better it is. But the importance of it, I can't stress it enough, is because it really does make a difference in that pet's well-being not only look, but also how he feels. It keeps them from scratching as much. So it's a process that you need to do. And even if you only did it once a week, you know what? It's still a hell of a lot better than not doing it at all. There you go. Joey Volani, ladies and gentlemen, on Animal Radio. Let's hit the phones for Joey. We have Woody on the phones. Hey, Woody, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you today? Good. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from western Wyoming. Western Wyoming. Is that where you live? It dang sure is. All 54 of my years so far. Oh, wow. That must be quiet and enjoyable and nature-like and all that. It is. It's 7,000 feet. You can't beat it. Uh, it, I I would pass out at 7,000 feet. I get dizzy going to Denver. Hey, listen, I know you wanted to talk to Joey. What's going on? Hey, I've got a two-year-old male, uh, miniature schnauzer. I adopted this dog in January, and he's had some coat problems. He was an outside dog. Even in Wyoming, people leave these little dogs outside. I brought him in, and all of a sudden, he started losing all of his his hair on his back. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the reasons I bought a schnauzer is they don't shed. Well, I've got one that does, and I've <laughs> well, you taken know, him to my 
I've taken him to my vet, and lately I keep him groomed down with a, I use wall clippers on a number two, and about every week he gets to where he just starts shedding really bad. An easy fix, Woody. And I got to tell you one thing: whoever told you schnauzers don't shed, boy, did they lie to you. Um, they, <laughs> they're a double-coated breed, um, and any double-coated breed actually sheds more than a single-coated dog. Okay, they should have a soft, downy undercoat, and then they should have a a wiry top coat. Now, it's funny that you're bringing this up because basically, this is just what, what I just spoke about um, in the tip that I put out there, especially on a wire-coated dog that has a double coat. What happens is, is you're doing everything correct. You, um, the number two is a perfect length. It's about maybe a little bit more or a little bit less than a half inch long. Um, right. the wall clippers are great. But what you have to do is we got to stimulate it because what you're doing is you're, you're, is you're removing that top coat. And what's happening is, is you're building abundance of undercoat because it's not cutting that. So what you have to do is you have to get that undercoat out as well. Once you get that undercoat out, it's not going to shed nearly as much. It's very, very controllable to the point where it's tolerable. So this is what I want you to do. There's a process called carding. Now, carding, all it is is a deep combing. They make certain tools out there. Actually, um, the easiest one to find um, is Ferminator. It's a little bit pricey, but that's all it's made for is to deep shed um, dogs that have short coats. So after you clip your dog down, what you want to do is you want to take the Ferminator tool, and you're going to go over the coat lightly. And what that's going to do, that's going to remove all that coat that's now bothering you. Now, the question I have, does the dog also have dandruff because of this? No, dry skin. No, okay. My vet told me he says he believes it's dry coat. I'm doing some uh, some medicine on his food every day, a capsule every day, and I okay. bathe him once a week with some medicated uh, shampoo that's supposed to help help moisturize his his coat. Let me ask you a question: Have you noticed any difference at all since you've been since you've been doing that? I do, and it's I've done this now for three weeks, and about. A day or two before his normal bath day, you'll start seeing it. He uh, he rides on my lap everywhere I go, and uh, I'll start seeing a lot of, of uh, shedding on my shirt about a day or two before it's time for his for his bath. I'll tell you what I know. I, it's it's exactly what I'm thinking is happening. When you're bathing the dog, the bathing process is helping remove that loose undercoat, but it's not removing it enough. Okay, so what's happening is it's 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 in that process that right before a bath, it's shedding heavily, um, and then when you bathe the dog, it's um, reducing it, but it's not getting it out enough. So if you can go out and get that tool, Ferminator, um, use that, and you would use it just like you would use a rake, basically. You just you're mm-hmm. going to rake through the coat, not real hard at all, just enough that you're going to start to see the undercoat come up, and you're going to notice a drastic change in your dog's color. Um, it's going to go from from the lighter color that it is to a little bit darker, okay? And okay. basically what that's doing, it's pulling out that dead hair, because that dead hair is dulling out the coat that really that's hidden underneath it. And once you start seeing that, you're also going to get beautiful color back in, in your dog's coat. Your dog's coat's going to look a hell of a lot healthier and it's going to grow in thicker, but it's going to shed a hell of a lot less. Try that. I almost If I had to place a bet here, if I was in Vegas, I'd put all my money on that. <laughs> okay. Can this be done 
while I shower him. This, this is one of the few dogs I've ever seen that will literally jump in the shower with you and, and doesn't mind a bit. Um, you know what? And without seeing your dog, I don't know. And this is what I would say. I would say you can definitely try it in the shower. And if you're getting out the undercoat, which you're going to know right away, it's going to, you're going to, you're going to be pulling out hair and it's only going to pull out really what needs to. I mean, if you're pulling out anything else, the dog is going to let you know right away, um, that he doesn't right. like it. So if right. it's coming out, absolutely no problem. If it's not, then you'd want to do a dry. Okay. Thank you very oh, much. That helps, Woody. Have a wonderful weekend. You too. They're listening on the western slope of Wyoming, backwoods there, animal radio, everywhere that, you are. That sounds nice. Maybe we should go it broadcast from, from there. I'm thinking so. We'll go to Woody's house. <laughs> this is Animal Radio. You know, here at Animal Radio, the studio cats have been using the Armor Cat cat trees for two decades. And you know, cats need to scratch, claw, and climb. And unlike any other tree, ArmorCat furniture is strong, durable, and really reliable. ArmorCat's best-in-class cat trees and beds all come with six-month warranties. Go to ArmorCat.com. That's A-R-M-A-R-K-A-T.com. And give your cat the tree they deserve. And get 15% off using the code ANIMALRADIO. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. We'll head back to the phones in just a second. For the Dream Team, Dr. Debbie, dog trainer Alan Cable, dog father Joey Volani, animal communicator Joey Turner. And if you can't get around a phone, but you can download the Animal Radio app, you can ask your questions right from the Animal Radio app for iPhone or Android. Download it now. It is free and it is fun. Spend hours and hours on the app myself yeah you're easily amused i am easily amused <laughs> i like I love, bright shiny I, things i have to say i love the app because then you can always have the show with you yes. no matter where you go and if it's uh you know if you're in one of those cities where the stations you know they might air it early or late yeah. or it might be rescheduled due to the local football game you don't have to miss it you can catch the show whenever right you want to listen to on it. your schedule exactly and if you are it's an amazing world it is an amazing world if you are out and about traveling with your animal you probably have a restraint system that you're using in your car or you may have one that I uh, like i said you have a uh, one where a ladybug will seat. Little, She's in a little booster seat. Yeah, and then it has a little connector so I can put her harness on and connect it to her so she can't jump out. Do you think it's very safe? I think so. If you were in an accident, you think the dog would be okay? I'd like to think so, yes. Okay. Isn't she? Well, maybe not. According to a brand new canine automotive restraint crashworthiness test done by mm-hmm. the founder of the Center of the Pet Safety, Lisa Wolko, who's joining us, there's a 100% failure rate. 100%. There's not one out there that... Well, well, let's find out. Hi, Lindsay. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Very good. Tell us about your test and your study. Well, um, in 2011, we did a pilot study where we sampled uh, 12 different harnesses, um, tested the four strongest, the ones that we deemed based on how the consumer would see them. Uh, We had uh, experts, um, engineering and survivability experts, look at these products to help us select those. And from those tested, uh, we had a 100% failure rate of those harnesses that were tested to provide protection to either the pet or the consumer. Now, that was in 2011. There's been a lot of uh, advances, let us say. There have been, yeah. So Subaru, actually, um, they found value in the work we were doing. Mm -hmm. um, And they have stepped up this year, and we are working right now on a 2013 um, harness study. It's more robust. Than that, we're looking across multiple sizes, across multiple brands. And for this, we were very selective in the products we chose. So we look, we're looking solely at those products that are claiming testing, crash testing, and crash protection. 
And the good news for uh, pet parents is that we are seeing better protection um, that's being afforded, but you have to be very discerning on how you shop for those products. Now, are these uh, restraint systems that you're seeing that are doing okay? Are they uh, uh, seat belts? Are they uh, like car seats? What are they? What are they exactly? Well, right, we we categorize the products. So right now, what we are focusing on right now is just the harness, the, the harnesses themselves. Um, we know that many of the other products out there, the add-on devices like, unfortunately, the booster seats and mm-hmm. like the zipline style products and extension tethers that you buy aftermarket, if you will, um, don't have to go through testing. Many manufacturers do not test those products at all. So I'm gathering that Subaru is trying to develop a seat that's going to be safe. No, I think what they want to do is they just want to help give information to their constituency, to those people that travel with their pets. Um, They value um, the safety of not only their consumer, but also the pets to travel with their family. Mm -hmm. And I think it's solely that at this point in time. Now, how do you test these? Do you use real dogs, or are there dog crash dummies? (laughs) I have developed, actually, our team has uh, worked together very, very hard over the past few years. Um, We have our second phase, our second round of crash test dogs that we have developed. And I have to tell you, these guys are really tough. Um, They are um, heavily engineered. Uh, We worked with an engineer who works with NASA to help us uh, kind of formulate how we're going to put them together. And um, we have currently three different sizes that we use. We have a a 25, and we also have an alternate 20-pound. Uh, 45 and a 75 pound that we're using at this, for this particular study. Hmm. Um, so and we also have other dogs that we use for preliminary testing. Um, and we have actually put a licensing agreement out there so manufacturers can actually license the use of these dogs oh. to test their own products. I was a crash test dummy once yeah. for the Pinto brand. <laughs> we can tell. Huh? Yes. We can. Yeah, we can. You know what? I, w- I watched these videos and it actually looked like some of these restraint systems would actually cause more harm than had the dog not been restrained at all? Is that true? No, you want to use a restraint. We want, we want consumers and pet parents to use these products. Um, right now, manufacturers just don't, they don't have to test. None of these products have to meet any standards. There are no standards that exist. So that's what we're trying to do is give consumers the confidence in the products that they're currently lacking. Um, but no, you absolutely should use a restraint. So you're not saying just because they don't work that we shouldn't use them anymore? Well, again, you know, we're testing them to an extreme crash condition. This okay. is a 30 mile an hour. Um, you know, these products can potentially help uh, protect your pet from short stops. Um, and hopefully no one gets in that type of collision. But that's why we have guidance on our website right now on our fact page um, on how to guide consumers until we're done with the study how to find those crash-tested harnesses, how to ask those questions of the manufacturers on the type of testing that they've done so that you have some assurance that the products are going to hold up a little bit better. What is that website? It's uh, centerforpetsafety.org, and you want to go to our fact page. I'm going to put a link from uh, animalradio.com right to the fact page. So uh, if you're driving along right now, you want to see what Lindsay's talking about, head on over to Animal Radio and uh, click the link to the Center for Pet Safety. And you know what? I think it's kind of cool what you're doing. Oh, thank you. We hope we hope people find value in it. Um, we are currently working to fund a uh, containment study. So we will look at crates, carriers, and barriers 
And we're also looking um, to fund a study on uh, animal flotation devices. Well, let's stay in touch. I would love to. Thank you so much. There you go. Lindsay Wolko. She's the founder of the Center for Pet Safety, joining us here on Animal Radio. You know what was real cool about that was that Subaru was really interested in that they care about you know their consumers. They know how many people have pets. <laughs> yeah, that's just really cool, though, that uh, you know that makes me want to buy a car from them. Not me. I don't like Subarus. Yeah, it makes well, when a company cares about the people they're selling to, that makes me want to buy their product. You have a Hummer, don't you, Doc? You know, here at Animal Radio, the studio cats have been using the Armor Cat cat trees for two decades. And you know, cats need to scratch, claw, and climb. And unlike any other tree, Armor Cat furniture is strong, durable, and really reliable. Armor Cat's best-in-class cat trees and beds all come with six-month warranties. Go to ArmorCat.com. That's A-R-M-A-R-K-A-T.com. And give your cat the tree they deserve. And get 15% off using the code ANIMALRADIO. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Welcome, my friend. It is toll-free for the Dream Team. And on today's show, Beth O, or Beth Stern. We're going to find out what she likes to be called. She'll be joining us. Of course, not only the wife of the king of all media, but she also works with the North Shore Animal League. And I understand she's rescuing many, many animals at her house, which happens to be the same house as Powered Stern. So we'll find out what that's all about in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. Uh, what are you up to? You look like you're pondering something, Stacy. Okay, here's one for you. What does Kim Kardashian and a giant panda have in common? Hmm? I can't Anyone? Even guess. No. <laughs> Maybe they both gave birth. I don't know. I'll tell you. Coming up on Animal Radio News. I'm not even going. I don't. There. I don't believe people talk about her. I just. I don't understand it. I know who is she. <laughs> I mean, I know who she is, but I mean, really. I mean, but what does she do? Exactly. That's what I'm who trying to figure out. What does she do? Nothing. You know, she shops. <laughs> That's what I want. I'm trying to understand that. She's like the Cato Kalin, just at the right place at the right time. You know what? I just wanted to say something. Yes. You said Howard's the king of all media, so yes, that sir. must be that must mean that you are she, the king of dog media. I am the king yes. of dog media. Yes. And we'll be talking yes, to the queen is. of all media because that would be obviously she, wouldn't she be the queen? No, she would be the first lady. How she'd be the first not, lady. There's probably another woman who is the queen of media. Well, of she's course, Martha Stewart lady. or Oprah. See, that's what I mean. So she's just the first lady. But wouldn't wouldn't the queen be Howard's first lady? You know, the one that went through it all with him. You would think. Oh. Okay. You know, I'm going to be talking about how dumb I am. <laughs> how dumb you are. I'm such an idiot. I swear to God, I am such an idiot. Oh, let us yep. talk about it, please. Yeah, what, you know what I just did for the second time this week? What? What? I mean, you, you would think you would think that I would be able to operate a coffee maker. Yeah, you would think you would think that I could make coffee. Yes. You know. And for the second time this week, I have failed to put the little lid on. We got a busted one, so it's got the lid detaches. You know, the little lid that's on top of the coffee maker that has the little bubble that tells the thing above it to let the water through. I forget to put that on twice this week, so I got coffee grounds and water and crap all <laughs> over the place. What's the matter? What's with Hal today? I mean, what's wrong with you? What's there, the matter? There's well, absolutely There's nothing. something going on here. No, don't give me that. Come on. It's yeah. that whole clone. are you? The whole clone thing is, is really, I've been off base since last week with the whole clone thing. Today, we're going to be talking to the lady who's founded the Center for Pet Safety, and she's tested all of the uh, seats and uh, restraint systems for cars for your dogs, and she says all of them fail. 
100% fail. So we're going to talk to her in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Animal Radio. Hey, doofus. Is this Hal? You're a genius, I tell you. You're a friggin' genius. Where the hell are you? Oh, okay, I get it. Yesterday you weren't so interested in talking with me. Now you want to know where I am? Listen up. Yesterday I went to get my paycheck. They said I already picked it up. So what's your point? You didn't come home last night. Yeah, I was busy spending your paycheck. This is a nightmare. You'd better come home tonight or I'm going to kick the living crap out of you. Ooh, I'm shaking. Gotta go, buddy. Wait, 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 don't go. Adios. Hal. Hal. <laughs> See, that's why I'm a little Hal. off. How many are there? How many Hal's are there now? I, we don't know. Yeah, I, there might be six. There might be a dozen. It's a it's a they're cloning experiment out of control. and it's How like, can you tell them apart? They're like rabbits. They, they really are. So I encourage you to spay and neuter your animals and don't clone yourself. Just... Two tips of advice from the old Hal Meister. We should have neutered Hal. Yeah. Okay, what if the Hal clones go out and have little Hal babies? Okay. Enough. Enough oh, already, please. I don't even want to think about that. Calls Wait. for Dr. Debbie, dog trainer Alan Cable, dog father Joey Villani, and animal communicator Joey Turner only, please, right now. Hey, William, how you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Good. Where are you calling from today? Uh, I'm over here in uh, Windsor, New York. Windsor, New York. What's up? Well, uh, I got a, uh, she's a crossbred black lab and beagle. And I was having a problem with it with fleas, which we got care. We got that all cured. Okay, but after, good. After we were cured that, she kept having a, a problem with her butt itching, and also two spots on her belly. Mm-hmm. Well, I use uh, a uh, what the heck you call it, for my for my stomach, you know, to keep my stomach from chafing. Uh, so it's a powder, and I was using it on my stomach one day, and she's sitting right there by me. And she stood up and turned her back to me, you know, her butt to me. And I had it on my hand, and I rubbed it right on her butt and on her base of her tail. Mm-hmm. She didn't itch all day. Okay. So, so what's, I got to know, what's this medicine? What is it? It's a, oh, it's jock itch powder. Like like uh, gold bond? It's, I don't know what the brand is on it, but it's a jock itch powder. Okay. So, <laughs> so the next day, the next day... I rubbed it also on her belly and her butt. She didn't itch all day anywhere. All right. You know, well, it, no. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't bother her. It, 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 you know, she has no reaction to it. She doesn't try to lick it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But it seems to be doing a good job. Okay. And, um, you know, this is this is kind of a first for me here, William. I, uh, jock itch is kind of out of my realm of expertise. But what what I do think of is what, what I hear about this um, and, and how that might be helping her symptomatically. Um, jock itch and um, uh, a lot of skin infections in dogs can be caused by a fungal infection, by yeast. Um, so I don't know that that's what you got, <laughs> but but um, the ingredients in many types of jock itch medications um, are myconazole, and that is a medicine that we do use for dogs that have yeast infections. As far as, you know, that's something I like to preferably diagnose. I mean, it certainly sounds, you know, in, in your experience that that helped and that may have decreased the itch. Um, so that sounds wonderful, but I'm not advocating everyone take jock itch powder and put it on their dog's bodies, partly because um, there's a lot of other things in dogs that can trigger the yeast infections. And you mentioned that you had a flea infestation, so she probably had some red, itchy skin to begin with. And yeast on dog skin is really common. 
but it doesn't get into their skin and doesn't take hold unless they've got kind of a red, itchy, abraded skin surface. So in those situations, yeah, that, that may be why she had um, potentially a yeast infection and why that medicine helped her. Um, so if you have more ongoing issues with this, my recommendation would be maybe stay away from the powder only because that's a little bit harder to control where we're putting that. There are some wonderful shampoos you can use for dogs. Um, we can do all over body treatment. And, and that's kind of makes it a little bit more, I think, um, kind of reasonable to treat a whole pet than to try to splash powder or put some um, ointments on them. Um, but I, hey, I can't sneeze at success. And, and if that uh, if that helped her, I'm I'm happy for you. Well, you know, I would just see, make I sure. Did, I I use it for myself because uh, I have, I have an overhang problem. You know, my my belly <laughs> overhangs my belt. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, can I just say, I was just going to say the jock itch powder, my friend, you're right. It's an, a magic thing. You know, you, your computer, when it says, you, you pop open a page and it says done, but with errors. Well, I was yeah. sitting next to it with some jock itch powder and dumped it in the keyboard. And let me tell you, it fixed the problem wow. right then. And the thing went dark. It's <laughs> amazing dark stuff. Immediately. Amazing yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, you would, you would enjoy this, this dog, though. She really did because... When I tell her, I say, uh, come on, Lou, it's time to take a shower. She walks right in, sits down in the shower, and waits for me to come in there. Oh, <laughs> That's beautiful. So, awesome. Yeah, she's a real good dog, but this happened, and I said, I got to let you folks know, because I listen to you every weekend, you know, on XM Radio. Awesome. We appreciate it, William. And, and, and give that baby a scratch on her head for us, and hopefully she's not scratching anymore with a magic powder on, on hand there. <laughs> I learned so much from this show. Maybe more than I need to know. You know, we should carry a pouch of jock itch powder, and whenever we see somebody itching in public, we sprinkle it on them like, the, you know, the good fairy. I'm frightened. I'm really frightened now what I'm going to see in my exam rooms. People are going to hear this show, and they're going to say, Doc, can you just take a look at this for me? And I'm going to be like, no, no. Buy stock in it a, now. It's just such a funny product, you know, jock itch powder. Dogs or cats. Horse or emu, animals are people too. A British woman who thought the vibration she was feeling was her cell phone was surprised to find the vibrations coming from her bra. And even more surprised to find the vibrations coming from a baby bat. 19-year-old Abby Hawkins wore the bra for five hours while working as a hotel receptionist before finding the baby bat. She said she was shocked but felt bad for disturbing the cuddly bat who looked cozy and comfortable, adding she perhaps could have left it in there and given him a good home. Hmm. Hawkins doesn't know how the bat got in there. She said she had had a drink or two the night before and got dressed quickly that morning. The bra was in a drawer but had been on the clothesline the day before. The bra bat, which had scampered under a desk, was captured by a co-worker and set free. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Hi, it's Alan Cable with today's dog tip. Last time we talked about picking a smart puppy out. By using his attention span, that is how long can he focus on one thing before becoming distracted. The longer the better. If you've got your eye on a particular dog or puppy... Here's a couple of other tests you can do that go a little bit further than just measuring how long a dog can focus. Usually a puppy under four months that can focus on any one thing for longer than 10-15 seconds is pretty smart. Now that you've established that the dog you're interested in can do that, 
Here's a couple of other little tests. Have somebody hold him on a leash and right in front of his face, take a dog treat and put it under a coffee can or a soup can. A smart dog will know right away that the treat is still there even though he can't see it. Knock the can over with his nose or paw and go at it. Just so you know, we put my uncle through this test. He ate the can. If the dog you want completes the coffee can test successfully, here's another one you can do to take it a step further. Now with your friend holding the dog on a leash, take the treat, show it to the dog, then put Put your hands behind your back and make two fists so that the treat is now concealed. Now put the two fists back in front and let the puppy or dog pick which hand your treat is in. Now the last part of this test is what separates Beethoven from the idiots that are always trying to catch him in the movie. And I'll just tell you, most likely, if the dog is younger than four months, he or she probably won't be able to complete this part of the test. Well, what the heck, give it a whirl anyway. Same thing, hands behind your back, but drop the treat behind you, then bring both of your closed hands in front of you again. Most likely, the dog's going to sniff both of your hands. Then you can open both of them up to reveal the treat is gone. Where'd it go? A real smart dog is going to put it together. Or he's going to use his nose to search for the treat. And an extremely intelligent dog is going to want to walk behind you to get the treat that he knows is there. This is Abstract Thought for a Dog and the cast of Jersey Shore. Next time, we'll talk about what a dog needs to be well-adjusted, happy, and secure. And believe it or not, love isn't number one. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. All of us here at Fido Friendly Magazine can't wait to get on the road again with our favorite Fido. We know that it's just not a vacation without our furry companions by our side. Start daydreaming now and visit FidoFriendly.com to scout out places near and far so you will be ready for your next adventure once it's safe to travel. That's FidoFriendly.com. Until then, stay safe and leave no dog behind. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. And we go to Christy. Hey, Christy. Hi. Where are you today? I am shopping for countertops for our new bathroom. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Thank you. So what's going on? Well, we have, uh, of course, as everybody thinks so, the world's most adorable labradoodle. <laughs> but he does fall short in the coming when he, he's called Arena. And I think we trained him so hard when he was young that he stopped um, coming unless we gave him food. He doesn't come unless you actually have a treat. <laughs> yes. But, I mean, in everything else, he's just amazing. But And it, it, it scares us because... Um, we're we're buying a new home and and it's a new area and it's not safe for him and he'll and and just the other day he darted out into the street and yeah, he wouldn't that is come scary. back. That is very scary. You know, first of all, I just want to say thank you for caring enough about your dog to actually look for help. We could probably spend a whole show talking about teaching your dog how to come. So let's talk about what not to do first and think about how dogs think. First of all, you should never call your dog to do something that your dog doesn't enjoy, like giving her a bath or, you know, ignoring her when she comes or maybe, uh, you know, taking her and putting her in her crate if she doesn't like being in there. Anything she doesn't like, you should never call her when you're going to do that because that will teach her that when she comes to you, something unpleasant's going to happen. So you always want to do the exact opposite and try never to get frustrated when your dog doesn't come to you. Whenever your dog comes to you, it's like a parade. It's like a celebration. It's like, good dog! And there are little games. 
<laughs> are there a lot of people in your family? Well, we have um, a 12-year-old daughter and a 14-year-old boy. So I think my dad is beautifully trained. It's just the family that doesn't have a clue. Yeah, well, that's it's tough. When people are inconsistent, it's tough, you know. Uh, another thing to avoid doing is when you call your dog, don't do it repeatedly. Just call your dog one time, and then try a second time more firm. And if your dog ignores you, then pretty much you, all you can do is walk up and try to get the dog. If the dog runs away, don't chase him. Try running the opposite direction, and if that doesn't work, just ignore your dog. Because when you call a dog and a dog doesn't come over and over and over, you're teaching the dog that basically not to respond when you call her. And another thing you have to remember is to set your dog and yourself up for success. So if you call your dog when your dog is doing something really interesting, like uh, playing with another dog or running to greet somebody or uh, uh, maybe there's pizza being eaten, you know, and your dog's chasing after that, whatever a dog is interested in, whenever a dog is interested in something going on, you're setting yourself up for failure when you call your dog because your dog is not going to pay attention. Most won't. And another thing to remember is there's no such thing as a 100% guarantee that your dog will come no matter what what dog it is because dogs are not machines and they're unpredictable so they don't always come when you call them so there are little things you can do to teach your dog to come to you and to respect you there are games i like to play but it all starts on a leash you know the more time your dog spends on a leash with you the better and the more calm your dog is when you teach your dog things the better so the time not to t attempt to teach your dog something is when your dog is excited and jumping and running and playing the time to teach your dog something and to give your dog affection is when your dog is calm just laying there the more affection you give your dog when your dog is calm the more calm your dog is going to learn to be over time so you pay no attention to your dog when your dog is jumping around excited and you give your dog lots of attention when your dog is being mellow and calm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So when your dog is mellow and calm, dogs love structure and routine. So every single day at the same time, if you could spend 10 to 15 minutes with your dog teaching your dog to come, you will see amazing results. And the best way to do that is to put your dog in a quiet room with no people, like the garage, for about 10 minutes. Then go get your dog, and if the dog starts jumping around when you come to get your dog, turn around, walk away, and close the door. And do it over and over, because your dog's 10 months old, did you say? Yeah. Do it over and over again until your dog just sits there and is calm. Then put the collar on. If the dog starts jumping around again, just put your hands up in the air and stand there. Look straight ahead. Don't move until your dog gets calm again. And it's a step-by-step -step process. It takes a lot of patience. Eventually, you're going you're gonna to take your dog outside into the yard to go to the bathroom. And after your dog goes to the bathroom, you're going to say, good dog. And you're going to have a 10-foot leash. And you're basically just going to let your dog do his thing. You're going to sit in a chair or you're going to stand there and you're going to give the come command. You know, come. Give him a gentle tug on the leash. And if he doesn't come to you, you're just going to reel him in like a fish. And when he gets near you, you're going to go, good dog. And you might have to do this for about a week. It might be, might have to do it for long enough 10 foot 10 foot is good 16 feet something like that right. and you're pretty much going to stand there like a statue stationary and you're going to give your dog the come command once or twice and then reel him in like a fish but when he gets to you you're going to be good even if you have to kind of drag him you're going to be like good dog you know no treat though just a pet and then just 
turn around and pay no attention to him. Let him do his own thing. I think you're, you're a smart lady, and I think you can do it. Just remember, your dog's not a person. He's not a human. They're not motivated like people are, and they don't have people emotions. So you have to learn to kind of get inside his head, which is not that difficult if you pay attention to his body language, how he moves, how he looks at you. Whenever your dog is staring, staring at you for long periods of time, he's looking for leadership. That's why they stare at you. Okay, because when he comes to the, he also doesn't come in the house. He'll stand at the door. He'll just stand there and say, come on, come on in, Chevy. And he just stands there and looks at us. Think of it from your dog's point of view. Your dog has mastered manipulating you in that way. He's learned that when he, (laughs) see, so your dog has learned that when he stands at the door, you react and give him attention. Is that not true? Correct. Okay, so now when your dog stands at the door, what are you going to do next time? Just walk away. Absolutely. Check out Animal Radio Highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. Hey, folks, this is Jackson Galaxy. You're listening to Animal Radio. Please do everyone a favor, spay or neuter your animals today. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a Continuous Glucose Monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. This is an Animal Radio News Update. Acclaimed European chef David Fowler isn't worried about his diners finding a bug in their meals. In fact, he started intentionally adding a variety of creepy crawlies to the dishes that he serves at his restaurant in Nice, France. Among the new specialties are a dessert with crickets, which he likes for their popcorn flavor, and a cod dish with mealworms, which he claims adds a nice nutty tone to the fish. According to Orange News, he got this idea for his alternative foods menu while he was traveling to countries where citizens use insects in their everyday diets. He says the biggest obstacle in his quest to make his own cooking more adventurous was finding a reliable local supplier of edible insects. You know, I don't know. Why can't you just try a new sauce? Why do you have to eat bugs? He's since solved that problem with the help of a nearby company. It raises their insects on organic vegetables. Nice. Scientists have discovered, just like humans, chimps and orangutans can apparently remember things that happened years ago in their lives. The ability to remember events from the remote past has been considered a defining feature of human nature, said this comparative psychologist Gemma Martin-Ortis. She's from Denmark. Now she and her colleagues have found that chimps and orangutans can also recall distant memories. In experiments with 15 chimps and four orangutans, the scientists tested whether the animals could remember events they experienced years ago. Well, three years prior to this, they had watched uh, researchers hide tools that the chimpanzees and orangutans needed to grab rewards 
that were otherwise out of their reach. Well, as the apes looked on, the researchers repeated hiding the tools a total of four times. In the new experiments, the scientists had the apes carry out the exact same tasks in the same room with the same experimenters. Just one exception. All the apes tested recalled where the tools were hidden, and they reached their reward. So it's amazing. This is the first study showing that chimps and orangutans remember personal past events that took place a long time ago when they're presented with appropriate cues. I guess elephants aren't the only ones who never forget. I'm Stacy Cohen. Get more animal breaking news at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Debbie answering your vet medical questions, dog trainer Alan Cable, dog father Joey Villani, and animal communicator Joey Turner all here at your beck and call. You know, every once in a while, we love to feature some outstanding people in the industry. Today, we're featuring Beth Stern. Hi, Beth. How are you doing? Hi. You are doing so many things. You're keeping pretty darn busy, aren't you? Oh, my goodness. Right now, um, I'm fostering a litter of four kittens and a mama cat and her three ki- additional three kittens. So I'm busy being a kitten foster parent this summer. Does that all happen at your house there? It does. Yeah, our house is. Well, we have four rescued cats from the North Shore Animal League that we've accumulated over the last five years. So four cats in five years, and we've always rescued adult cats. So they fill our house with so much love. But we decided, well, just in light of kitten season and these summer months, every shelter is so overpopulated with cats right now that I decided to um, take a friend from North Shore Animal League. We went into a local municipal shelter and grabbed a litter of kittens, and my husband, Howard, Howard Stern and I fostered them, and it was so rewarding. He mentioned it on his radio show. We got over 100 applications for from wonderful people that, that wanted to adopt, and I reviewed these people and screened them with North Shore Animal League. We found six kittens, um, wonderful homes, so I decided when I, I delivered the kittens to the, to the new families, and I d- decided right then and there, let's grab another litter, and then on top of that, I grabbed this mama cat and her babies, so we've been so busy busy, but it's been so much fun. Well, I got to ask you this question. I don't picture Howard, and I promised myself I wasn't going to ask you anything about Howard, but I don't <laughs> Please, picture... he's my favorite thing to talk about other than animals. <laughs> I don't expect him to be like a cat guy, you know? Oh my goodness. He is, he's right there with me. I mean, I do the the hard work. I'm cleaning the litter boxes a hundred times a day. It's amazing how often kittens poop, but um, he's right there. He photographs them. He names them. He actually cried like a baby the other day when we, when I handed off when he had to say goodbye when the day that I had to hand off the first letter to their new families. He's really incredible with them and fo- fell in love with them as quickly as I did. <laughs> now, do you consider How? yourself a cat person or a dog person? I'm equal opportunity. <laughs> Growing up, my family, we always had rescued animals. I mean, guinea pigs, we had little chickens. We always had two cats. 
um, and we always had a dog in our household. So I, I, I don't love more, one more than the other. I just I love all animals. And right today is actually a really sad day. It's one year since our beloved Bianca, our bulldog, passed away. So oh. it's a little bit of a, an emotional day for me, and I'm really happy to have these kittens to fill all my attention. Well, let's dedicate that today's show to that. Okay, there. I love that. I love that. That makes me really happy. Thank you. How was your transition at home? Because, listen, I grew up in New Jersey, so I was a big Howard fan. And I know before we met you, he didn't really have pets until you guys got your bulldogs. That's So how was that true. whole transition? We had a black lab named Java, and she recently passed away. We were very close with her and his kids, and his. Um, it ended up living with his children on Long Island. And he also has had a cat that passed away as well. So he did have cats with his um, children on Long Island before he met me. You know, we uh, we all spoil our animals. What what do you do to spoil your animals? What kind? Oh of, my what, gosh! What's I the have wackiest laugh thing? Because we have these four cats, and our one cat, one our one cat Leon bears twenty two pounds, and he Holy sleeps in the mother. bed with Howard and me. And I have to say, he takes up more space than I do. And I think all pet lovers and and people that have pets can relate. And there are so many nights where I have the the worst night's sleep because Leon bear is comfortable, and I'm on the edge of the bed. And I always put my pet's comfort first. And I think all of us can relate to that. <laughs> but why is it that the cats sleep sideways? You know, they don't sleep lengthwise with us. They have never, to sleep never. Sideways. sideways, but yet his head manages to be on my pillow. So imagine that. <laughs> so how many animals are in the bed at one time at night? Would you say? Well, Besides we Howard, have, we usually have Leon, Bear, and Walter, and Apple sleeping on the bed with us. So that's three. And Charlie Boy, he's really fat. He's our most recent rescue, and he came to us fat. And we're working on having him lose some weight. He's another um, rescue that we adopted from North Shore Animal League, and he can't jump, so he's at the he's on the floor beside the bed. So to answer your question, three cats in bed with us at night. See, I think I'm looking at this picture of Charlie Boy right now. I'll, I'll hold it up to the microphone so listeners can see. He is big. He, he's a big boy. He's he's 18 pounds, but not as big as Leon. So he's more, I mean, he's definitely fat as opposed to Leon's just a big guy. We just got this email from a listener who's complaining because her cat is upsetting her boyfriend. When they make love, apparently the cat, she allows the cat to be in the room right there. And it, <laughs> it ruins the mood, apparently. For, uh, well, we tend to remove the cats from the bedroom when we have that time together. And then Good as answer. soon as it's over, when we're about to cuddle, the doors are opened again. They don't go scratching at the doors? and, and all. No, of oh, yeah, Charlie just meows, and, and then Leon bashes into the door. So, you know, you just have to deal with it. You get immune to it. <laughs> yeah, you just ignore them. You just ignore them. The television show, the what was it, Nat Geo's Spoiled Rotten Pets, are you still doing that? You know what? It was only supposed to be one season, but I loved doing it so much. I was secretly hoping that it was that it was going to go for another season, but it, it ran its course, and I'm still going to be doing some things for Nat Geo Wild. I, I love that network. Really proud to have been on it and hoping to do more work with them. What kind of spoiled animals did you find on that show? Oh, my goodness. There were a pair of pigs, Wilma and Pebbles, that lived inside <laughs> with the couple. Inside with the couple. They were pot-bellied pigs. They slept in bed with the couple. They were completely housebroken. It was, they were just really remarkable. I mean, I never had spent time with pigs before, but I ended up taking the pigs for a day because the couple had never spent a night 
on a date without the without being with the pigs. So I sent them on a romantic date. I took the girls to this pig spa in Pennsylvania, and I gave them facials. I exfoliated their piggy skin. I gave them massages. <laughs> it was such a fun day for me. Awesome. And there was actually a pig spa out there. There, there really yeah, is it, a. It was actually oh a pig sanctuary where a lot of people, you know, a lot of people see these cute little teacup pigs and think they're going to stay little. And pigs don't stay little if you feed them. So uh, there are a lot of pigs that end up in in rescues. And there's this beautiful sanctuary in Pennsylvania that acts as a, a place that where these pigs can live and also is a piggy spa for people that have <laughs> pigs to, to, for them to spend the day there. It's very cute. Well, we're almost out of time here, but I want you to tell listeners about North Shore Animal League and how they can help out. Oh, my gosh. I'm so proud. I've been the spokesperson, a volunteer with the North Shore Animal League America for 10 years now, and they're the largest no-kill adoption organization in the world. The bottom line is my mission is just to spread the word to adopt from your local shelter. Buying from pet stores is just facilitating this horrible, wretched cycle that I'm sh- of puppy mills, which I'm sure you guys touched base on a gazillion times. Oh, yeah. And, w- and when you're adopting from a shelter, you're saving two lives, the one that you're adopting and you're opening up space for someone else to come in. All doing good work, both you and North Shore Animal League. We'll put links over at AnimalRadio.com. Beth Stern, thank you. Do you like Beth or Beth Stern? We, we couldn't figure that out there. What well, you- my husband and I just, it was my birthday the other night, and we had this exact conversation. He he took me out romantic dinner and he said what's with this betho still going on it's been, i am officially saying that i no longer want to be referred to as betho i am beth stern there you go <laughs> beth stern on animal radio i appreciate you taking time to visit with us today thank you so much you guys are great i really appreciate it you're listening to animal radio find us at animalradio.com. log on learn more how would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. Hey, Violet, how are you doing? Fine, how are you? Good, where are you calling from today? Uh, California over in Arcadia. What's going on? What's uh, the animals I have okay? a puppy here I'm babysitting, uh-huh. and she's actually eating poop. Mm-hmm, okay. <laughs> Yummy stuff, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I catch her every single time. Is she eating her own poop or other dogs' poop? Other dogs' poop. Okay, so That's she's not your dog. my new dog food. ODP. And so she's not your dog. She's just in no, your care for some mine, time. No. I have her for two months. 
All right. Well, you got a little time. You can work with this. Um, and eating poop is definitely a very normal behavior that dogs have. We have to remember our dogs are not some kind of weirdos. This is actually a normal behavior that the mother dog does when she has little newborns. Um, they, she has to lick and clean their backsides and ingest their urine and feces. So that's kind of what they have to do to stimulate them and also to keep those predators away and keep all those signals away from those predators. The trick is um, there is no single trick. <laughs> a lot of a lot of it gets down to supervision and redirecting attention to other things. So for me, it's all about exhausting a puppy, not letting them get bored, and hanging out around the stool. So pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, um, and definitely supervise the dog when they're out in the potty area. Um, but really, we have to exhaust dogs, get them tired, and if she does go run into the poop, I don't make a big deal about it. I just kind of redirect. I carry a squeaky toy and go squeaky, 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 and I make the dog follow me. Um, so for me, that's kind of my big thing and how I like to manage that. And then just not chasing them uh, because that definitely will make the game more fun. Um, and uh, Alan, do you have anything? Just everything you said is right on. I mean, you know, it, people get so freaked out when they see dogs eating poop or humping other dogs. And, you know, that is just normal dog behavior. Uh, to people, it's very disgusting and gross. But to dogs, it's like a regular everyday thing. And, you know, you just have to teach them that that's not a behavior that you want. But you have to go about it calmly. And you have to be very, like Dr. Debbie said, redirect them when they're puppies. Because, you know, they got the attention span of a, it's like a one-second attention span. So so just redirect them, correct them gently, and bring them to something else and do it over and over and over. And like Dr. Debbie said, supervise them. If you're not there to supervise the dog at all times and you're trying to correct a problem, it's not going to work. So when you can't supervise, keep that dog attached to you by a leash or put him in a kennel or a crate so that he can't do the behavior, okay? And make sure he can't do the behavior and pick it up as quickly as possible, too, just like Dr. Debbie said. That's all good stuff. She'll play and play and play and play, and then suddenly she decides when she gets bored, she just wants to go over and see what that person's doing. And when they're taking a poop, I'm like, no, no, no. And then she walks away. Or I mean, Did you say people were taking poops? <laughs> it's funny, but I've just well, tell, never tell. seen them have go to town on it. <laughs> They do. There's something just delightful. And, you know, cat poop is even better. So uh, I guess you should be thankful. It's just the dog poop. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to line three with Mike. Hey, Mike. Welcome to the show. I have Dr. Debbie right here for you. Hi. How are you doing today? Great. Yeah, We we had a little incident a couple weeks ago where our dog, medium-sized dog, uh, decided that a rawhide chew bone was something that you devour and not chew on. Oh, and dear. and when I looked over, I could tell the dog was choking because it was thrashing its head around. Okay. So I, you know, I mean, I know how to do CP, uh, you know, CPR on a dog from the sides of the chest, but I was like dumbfounded. And I know the Heimlich for humans, but I was dumbfounded how you would do it on a dog. So I had to just dive down and stick my hand down her throat as far as I can get it. And luckily I was able to grab it and pull it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, life would have been much simpler with a Heimlich technique. <laughs> 
Yeah, but you know, it, that comes into play when we have an airway obstruction lower than the mouth. So if that was in the mouth or in the upper airway, and you can reach that and access that with your hands safely without losing your fingertips, um, then that's really kind of the first step. If that doesn't work, then we move to the Heimlich. And, uh, you know, in dogs, there's a lot of different techniques. You can do basically a modified human Heimlich. Um, so if you have a small to medium-sized dog, you're basically um, going to reach up under the rib cage and kind of give three to five quick motions um, thrust into the abdomen like you would for a person. Now, if it's a bigger dog and you're a big person, you can still do the same thing, although for some large dogs, it can be a little hard to kind of handle and apply those compressions. So you can uh, basically lie them on the ground and apply lateral compression to the chest and near the back end of the chest, and that can give you enough force because dogs are a little different than people. Um, We compress from the sternum when we're doing, you know, chest compressions and CPR, you press down into the chest. And in a dog, their chest doesn't really squish that way really effectively. So from the side, you can get some really good um, compressions that way in dislodging and just getting the force of that push going. So, okay. oh gosh, so scary. So, uh, well, sounds yeah, like now you're still going to feed. That. <laughs> uh, oh, that gets your heart going. Now, what's your uh, feeling on rawhides? I don't think it's good for uh, bigger dogs. I don't know. I mean, maybe smaller dogs, smaller mouths, they know to chew, to be chewing on it. But big dogs, I just think they, it right down, they look at it as another bone. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there are some goods and bads with that. Um, definitely the dental exercise. You know, one thing for people that love rawhides and like their dogs to get that exercise, if you're not directly supervising like you were, I would never, ever, ever feed that kind of product for your pet. Um, right. But even even with cautions, there are some other rawhide styles that might be maybe a little bit less tendency for uh, choking. And those are the compressed rawhides, which are the really heavy duty, not the chopped up rawhides that they squish into cute little shapes, but it goes under high pressure where it's really thick and heavy, and there's not those little knots on the end where they can get those little pieces caught. But that might be one other alternative that has less of a choking uh, potential for you. Okay, well, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for joining us. And do not forget that the Animal Radio app, your answer, it's a free download for iPhone and Android. You can listen to the show anytime, even ask your questions right from the Animal Radio app. I have it on my phone. Do you have it your own? I do have it on mine. Of course I do. You don't even have a smartphone, Alan, do you? No, I don't. I I don't believe in smart things. We'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. This is Animal Animal. Radio Radio. Network. Network.